Wonderful. First, uh, third John tonight, the book of Third John, and we look forward to what Lord has for us through the message this evening. But the fellowship has been refreshing tonight, hasn't it? And uh, it's always a uh, joy to uh, be around God's people, certainly our church family. And uh, as as you know, I've been kind of I've distanced myself a little bit today, uh, just because of the uh, sickness I've been exposed to, and just watching as I do often from the platform right before service and all the talking going on and <clears throat> all the fellowshipping and how disappointed you are when church actually starts. Uh, but uh, that's because the fellowship is good. And then the music uh, has just been, uh, boy, it's, 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 it's stirred my soul tonight. And to hear God's people sing together those old hymns uh, just does something for you. And uh, so uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And now we look forward to the preaching of the Word of God tonight. Third uh, John chapter number uh, what chapter do you think we're in? One. Let's read verses one through four of the book of Third John. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I want to take those first four verses tonight. And as John pens this letter, uh, we saw from First uh, John this morning some, some things. If you're saved and you know it, and how many of you know it, saved and you know it, it's wonderful to know we're saved. Tonight we look at a, a more personal <clears throat> uh, application, a more personal uh, letter this evening. As John addresses some things in this letter, we're going to look at the first four verses. And as we have looked at the Great Commission this year, we've set goals to try and reach more people with the gospel and <clears throat> double our church and just reach more people, expand our ministry, not just across Jacksonville, but around the world. I've been reminded as a pastor to make sure that we are in the Word of God and we're following the Bible pattern. Uh, there's something that I'm afraid that has happened, and uh, we're, I'm in the process praying about how to go about it with our missions and different things. I, I'm afraid that we've copied a copy for so long in so many areas of Christianity in church, as a church that we are further away from a New Testament church than we realize. And I love the spirit that I, re, I sense in the, in the writing of the New Testament church. It is a family spirit. It's often been said of our, our church, well, the spirit's just like a family. That's the way it should be. Because we are a family. So I want to look at the aspect tonight of ministry from John's perspective in these four verses. And there's going to be some practical applications that you and I can make in ministry. I've made this statement more than once, and I'll encourage us again, that every member of God's church ought to be involved in ministry. Automatically, you may think, well, the music ministry, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not equipped for that. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. I had to stop others, but uh, you may be saying, maybe I'm not equipped for that. Or you may say the bus ministry, I, I don't have the time for that. Uh, that is a ministry. That is not the ministry. And we all have an opportunity to be in the ministry. Because quite frankly, as a pastor, I'm in the ministry. But there's been times in my life when I've needed others to be in the ministry and minister to me. Because we're all part of God's church. And so tonight... I want to look at this from the aspect of the ministry is personal. The ministry is 
personal. Before I pray, if you think to the series I taught on Wednesday nights of ministry companions, and think back to that in Paul's writings and the names that he mentioned, there's an obvious affection for Paul, from Paul to the people that he ministered with, to the people he served God with. It's the way it should be. It should be a personal. The ministry is personal. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we come to you once again needing your help tonight, needing your direction. May the Spirit of God strengthen your church tonight. Uh, may we be reminded of some practical truths. May we be uh, determined uh, to be a minister to others. May we be dedicated uh, to your people and to reaching more people. And Father, I pray that your will would be done this evening. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we think of the aspect of ministry, we must uh, be reminded what it is to be in ministry. It's to minister. A simple definition of minister is to attend and to serve. Uh, that is what ministry is. If we keep that mindset, uh, we'll do well. My responsibility in ministry is to attend and serve. Ministry is not being served. Uh, we, we, we are training... Uh, another generation for the ministry. I don't want you to have a mindset that because you have a title or you have a position or you have a responsibility that you were there to be served. No, ministry is to serve. It is to attend and serve. Therefore, all of us, all of God's children, all of, the, all of those that are part of His church, we can all attend and serve. We can all minister to someone else. That's one of the wonderful things about the church is we, we have that, that collective group of people who have the ability to minister what others need uh, to be ministered to. Uh, but there is, we think of ministry, there's a lot of misinformation or there's a, a lot of confusion concerning ministry. Ministry is not done in a vacuum, meaning it takes one's life to build another life. Ministry is not just something, here's these four things, apply it, and ta-da, we have, we have a product of ministry. That's not ministry. Ministry is not done in a vacuum. You can't just take some truths and principles and throw them out there, and they stick, and they, and they, and they become part of some note. Ministry is not done in a vacuum, meaning it takes one life to build another life. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you're in ministry. If you, as you interact with one another, you're in ministry. The ushers who hold the door and interact with people, and some would come in grumpy if you didn't offer them a lollipop when they came in. I'm not talking about the kids. I'm talking about the adults. I'm talking, you know, they, uh, that, that's ministry. That, that's serving. That's having a part. By the way, mom and dad, you have your children at home. You're in ministry. You're to train up that child the way God would want them trained. You cannot do that without using your life to build another life. If you want to make a difference in ministry, it will require a part of you. Ministry is not just a great idea. It requires a part of you. A lot of people like the idea of ministry until they realize what it requires of them. What, expects of, what is expected of them. A lot of people like the idea of being a part of a church that's aggressive in the gospel and wants to reach a lot of people and wants to double. But then the reality is, in order to do that, it's going to require me to invest part of my life in the life of someone else. If you want to make a difference in ministry, it will require a part of you. 
Pastor, it's not personal. I know what that person is trying to say as they go a different direction. Pastor, it's not personal. I know what that person is trying to say, but that's not an accurate statement. Because there was time sacrifice that can never be gotten back. There is energy that has been spent that can't be spent again. The point is this. If you are going to be in ministry, you must realize that you must invest time, energy, emotion, feelings, in some cases money, to make a difference in the life of one person. Young couples, if you, you, God gives you children, you can bring children in this world, you need to realize something, that you cannot rear that child without it, you investing in them. That's why it's a, it's a dishonorable thing for someone to push aside the sacrifice of a godly mom and dad to invest in them. They're not, they're, some of you, they, they may be a hero to you, but they're not a hero to me. It's a disarm of why? Because it's their life. It's their prayers. Likewise, if you're going to be in ministry, you must realize that you must invest time, energy, emotion, feelings. Ministry is, it, 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 do that to make a difference in the life of one person. I'm just using it as an example to remind us that ministry is necessary in fulfilling the Great Commission. Every person in here ought to make up their mind that they're going to be in ministry. We want our children to offer themselves to God. So if he wants them to be in full-time ministry, then they might do that. They're going to be a missionary. They're going to be a Christian school teacher. They're going to, they're going to serve in some capacity. But the truth of the matter is, every child of God should be in ministry should be in some area of service where we are attending and serving to someone else. Well, Pastor, I would do that, but I've got to, you know, that day is my day. Well, then don't, don't come complaining that you don't feel a part of ministry. Well, that just requires too much of me. That's what ministry is. Man, I didn't know these children were going to be with me 24-7. I mean, that, that's That's ministry. Ministry is necessary in fulfilling the Great Commission. If we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, we want to give the gospel. The Spirit of God works in that individual's life. They trust Christ as their Savior. Now it's up to us to minister to them, to encourage them, to help them grow. Well, that takes time. Absolutely, it takes time. That takes energy. Absolutely, it takes energy. We must understand that if we're going to be part of ministry. Our children... Our families are our ministry. We understand that. Our spiritual children, spiritual families are our ministries. Well, Pastor, I wish I had a ministry. How about the ministry of encouragement? Now, for some, you'd have to resign from the ministry of discouragement to join the ministry of encouragement. That just doesn't seem important. You be the one that needs the encouragement, and you tell me how unimportant that is. We all have that opportunity. I, I, I submit to you, there are some Sundays because of what you're going through, because of the way you feel, because of the burdens you carry. It's all you can do to just get to the house of God. You come in and you, you, you depend on the Spirit of God to minister to you. But typically, you and I ought to come to the house of God 
thinking about what we can offer to church, what we can offer. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not in the ministry, in the, in the music. I'm not, I'm not an usher. I don't, I don't do all those things. You know, you can, you can be a blessing and a help just by your interaction with people. If you keep your ears open, you'll know who to pray for this week. You'll know, you can make a middle note to say, you know, I'm going to send this person a note. It's, it's ministry. Now, let me remind us of several things and we'll get to the outline. One cannot make a great difference without personal involvement in ministry. You and I cannot make a great difference without personal involvement. Now, there's different aspects of ministry. What I'm doing right now is ministry. It requires time on my part. It requires effort on my part. It requires some sacrifice on my part. But you know, if you, 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 you're in the choir, for example, it requires some sacrifice on your part. Your afternoon nap gets cut very, very short. That's ministry. A lot of people, times we say we want ministry, but we don't want to make the sacrifice. You can't have ministry without sacrifice. That's what I want to remind us of tonight. If you're going to be in the ministry of prayer and you're going to pray for others, you say, well, I can't do what others can do. I can't do what I used to do, but I feel like God wants me to pray. That takes time. That takes sacrifice. That takes effort on your part. You cannot make a great difference without personal involvement in ministry. Ministry is not just personal sacrifice, but it is personal involvement. Now, ministry will take some personal sacrifice, but it's not just personal sacrifice. It's personal involvement as well. It is for these reasons that ministry is so rewarding because of the investment of our life. The cost is why ministry is rewarding. You remove the cost of ministry, it's nowhere the reward that ministry is. You know why when you see that graduate, or you see that, that, that son or daughter, they get married, and you see them go, that, they, there, there's tears, and yes, there's a change in life for the mom and dad, but you realize and you understand the investment that it took to get that child of yours with God's help to that place. You think of, why does, why does, why does, you think in, in past years, my, as my father was retiring and all these things, why, why is he always so emotional? Well, I can tell you from firsthand because he spent his life pouring into people. Right. Pastor, why, why do you feel the way you feel? Because that's part of my life. But that is what makes it so rewarding. I'm making this point because there are Christians, you're missing out on the greatest joys that you can experience, but you've got to be willing to invest and minister to others. In our text tonight, in this letter, John writes of the hurt and damage caused by the evil of Diotrephes. His warning about Diotrephes is a guide of how to treat those you encounter who make ministry all about them. And I'm not going into it tonight. I've written about it, preached about it. Diotrephes put himself above the Apostle John. He, he had his own way. He, he used his words against them. John, the lover, writes a very strong rebuke and gives us a pattern of how to treat those 
who make ministry all about them. I say that because don't become a diatrophies. However, don't miss this. This is the point I'm making. However, this warning cannot be overshadowed by the tenderness and warmth that John expresses in the beginning of this letter. He addresses a man named Gaius. And John's love and pride are evident in these writings. It is from this passage we see the personal nature of ministry. The reason why there's a strong warning about the atrophies is because of a man by the name of Gaius. So, oh, and I, I'm saying this, and the Lord put this in my heart. I know we have, we have those who are going into ministry. We are all in ministry. Well, well, well Pastor, there's, there's that side of people don't do, do always do right. They don't always treat you right. Yes, but what makes the ministry worthwhile, we find in the first four verses. While John warns of one who makes it all about him, it's really ministry comes down to what we find in these four verses. Let me point out just a few things as we consider these writings from the Apostle John. Number one, there is personal love. Look at verse number one. This, this ought to help us as, as a church. And, and I preach this because I want us to be helped, but I want us to keep what we got. There's not a church like the Emmanuel Baptist Church on every street corner. There's other churches that have checked the doctrinal boxes, but we have a spirit. We have a love for one another. We care for one another. We have to keep that. That's a lot of the preaching that I did this morning is, is for us to keep the right mindset. But we see, number one, there is a personal love. Verse one, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Now, we don't know much about this man named Gaius. It was a common name during that time, and, and, but John obviously had affection for him. I believe from the, reading this passage of Scripture, I, be, I would make the, the case, and there's no way to know for sure, but I believe that this man Gaius probably was a convert of the Apostle John. He was somebody that John invested in. John, when he writes this letter, is at the end of his life. Some would say that they believe he's about 90 years old at this time. He's, he's toward the end of his life, and so he's looking back, and here's a man named Gaius who he writes unto, whom I love in the truth. There is a personal love. There ought to be love between God's people. It's a love as the Bible commands us to love. Well, I just, have you seen how unlovable they are? Have you seen how unlovable you are? Well, their personality, keep the context. God didn't say that you have to, our personalities always have to get along. It doesn't say that we always got to spend a lot of time together. But there ought to be some love in our heart for our brother and sister in Christ. It's love as the Bible commands us to love. You know what will help you love somebody is if you minister to them. And if you minister to them, you will love them. Why? Because you're taking your life, you're putting it into somebody else. You're praying for them. That's taking your time, your energy, and you're investing it into someone else. There's a personal love. He loves as the Bible commands us to love. I'll not take time tonight, but I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 13, the great chapter on charity, love. That's Bible love. That's Bible charity. 
We're to have that personal love in the truth that comes through salvation. Comes through being part of God's family. How many of you had siblings growing up? How many of you didn't like your siblings? No, anyway. You know, this is true, and we, we joke about this from time to time. You know, you, could, you can fight with your siblings. You can call them names. But as soon as somebody else does it, we're going, you know, we're going to throw hands about that. Why is that? Because there's a love for them even when there's not a like for them. We as God's people too many times use the excuse, well, I just don't like them. God doesn't command you to like them. John doesn't even say he likes Gaius, but he loves him in the truth. He loves him because he's commanded to love him. He loves him because he has invested part of himself in there. So as we look at the ministry being personal, we must first see there's a personal love. Then number two, there's a personal care. In verse number two, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. John had a personal care for Gaius. No doubt he wanted his, him, his spiritual, spiritual life to grow. He invested in him. He, he, he set an example for him. He, he taught him the truth. And more than likely, he was a convert of John's. He wanted his spiritual well-being to grow. That should be the case for all of God's people. Let me tell you, I've, I've, I've said too far, I'll remind you, the greatest desire I have is for you to grow as a Christian. For you to fulfill your potential for the Lord. But you know, that's what we ought to have for one another. I want to remind you that the race that we run is not against your brother or sister in Christ. The race that we run is our individual race that God has set for us. And the way we win is we just finish. Often we see God doing something in the life of, of a brother or sister in Christ. And we get, we get jealous and we get envious. And we, 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 we cast judgment. and We almost pull against them. But we're all on the same team. We're all part of the same family. There is a personal care. There is a personal desire. I, I, I mentioned this, it's been a while since I mentioned this, but I pray for God to bring the right people in and call, call, call everybody out that he needs to call out. I'm going to pastor whoever's here while they're here, and if God moves them somewhere else, I'm 100% on board with that. But because I want everybody's spiritual well-being to be what it should be. I want people to grow. I mean, I've got a wonderful staff. I've got every one of, and this has always been true, but every man that works on my staff is a leader in their own right. Has a spiritual life in their own right. I, be, I believe greatly in them. If they ever get to the place where they outgrow me, what do you want them to do? I want them to go where they can keep growing. Let me tell you, I'm determined, though, not to let them outgrow me. You see the point that I'm making. We ought to be cheering. We ought to be, we want their spiritual. If I've invested in someone, 
I want them to achieve all. But it's not just spiritually. It's also physically. He had a desire for them to have their needs met. He had a desire for Gaius to be in good health. Well, we, we need a revival of this. And this, is a, this, is a, this is an above average church. I know this, but it's good for us to be reminded of this. When, when somebody else is excelling, we ought to be excited about that. When God blesses somebody in a way that we want to be blessed, but he chooses not to bless us in that way, we should be excited for that individual. The Bible does tell us to weep with them that weep. But he also tells us to rejoice with them that rejoice. He had a desire for them to do well. This ties in with, with part of the message this morning. We should have a desire. We should, we should want those that we've invested in to do well. There's a personal care that comes with prayer, that comes with an investment. Why would we not? I mean, don't raise your hand, but I'm sure there's many here who you invest in some form or fashion. Uh, you, whether it might be real estate or, or stocks or, or whatever it is, is that you invested, your, your mutual fund, retirement funds. As you put what you've earned and worked hard for into that investment, I am certain that you don't look and track it and be like, oh, I hope it drops 50% today. Oh, I, I hope this company goes bankrupt. Oh, man, oh, good, the market's tanking again. You don't cheer for that unless you're going to put more into it. But you don't pull against your investment. God's people are the only people who do that. We, we, ought, we, ought to be, we ought to want the well-being of others. We ought to want them to excel. And, and sometimes we look at it as like, well, well, God can only bless me or them. No, God can bless us both. God can only give good health to me or to them. No, God can give good health to both. God's a big enough God. It's not you or them. God can bless us all, and he does bless us all, but God sees fit how he wants to bless us. There's, there's personal care. Number three, we find personal testimony. Look at verse number three. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. That's a powerful verse. Here's the old man, John. He... Well, he's, he's seen a lot. He's suffered a lot for the cause of Christ. He's approaching death. And he writes, for I rejoiced greatly on a day when his body was failing and he has that suffering and he has the marks of the price that is paid to serve Christ. He gets a report. Gaius is walking in the truth. Your investment is paying dividends. Well, can I just remind us of this? We find John, that old apostle, rejoicing in the known testimony. Can I, can I help us all with this? And this is what I have to remind myself, and I do remind myself. You and I don't need to appeal to this world to get their approval. 
I think we can all agree on that. But as I read how Apostle John, the Apostle John, who's coming to the end of his life, was greatly encouraged because somebody that he invested in continued to walk in the truth. You know what that tells me? That tells me that I can be an encouragement to those who are older than me, who invested in me as I walk in the truth. This would do us good to, to make a mental note in a mental decision. The first person we should be trying to please is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it would please God if we lived in a way that would be a good testimony to Him, that we would be a good investment for those that invested their life into us. I'm going to be completely honest with you. What this world thinks of me, I don't give a care. Now, I mean, I want to have a good testimony. I want, I want to be a light. But if they don't like the way I stand, they don't like the way, it doesn't make no difference to me. It, it's just the way it is. I can't control what this world thinks about me. I can't, a lot of times Christians think more about what their enemies think about them than what God thinks about them. Not everybody is going to like me. I know that's hard for you to understand. This is just for illustration's sake. Say, who do you want to please? Because, well, I want the Lord to be pleased with me. I want my family to be pleased with me. The fact that I walk in truth. But I want those who have gone on before me and invested in me. You'll notice that I do everything that I can for these older preachers to encourage them, to help them, to be a blessing to them. So why do you do that? Well, one day I'm going to be an old preacher. But more than that, we wouldn't have what we have if it wasn't for that previous generation. I've been communicating. Some of you will know this name. and We support Mrs. Al Lacey, who's almost 90 years of age. Dr. Al Lacey was a great, great man of God. Fought many battles for the, for the Bible, the King James Bible. But he's a man that at the end of his life, <clears throat> I got to spend some time with, and I don't know how he felt about me, but I know how I felt about him. We're having some communication recently with, with, with Mrs. Lacey through one of her daughters, and and uh, when are you going to come visit? And you promised me you'd come visit. It's like, okay, okay, I'm coming. I don't know when, but I'm going to come. But I want to give great attention. You know why? I know Brother, Brother Lacey's in heaven. But I know that widow made a lot of sacrifices for him to do what he's... I know those children of his who watched as their father was vilified because of his stand. I remind them often what a great impact he made in my life. What, what, what a difference he made in my life. You know why? Because part of his life was used so that I could have something, I had truth in me. 
It's giving honor to whom honor is due. And all of us have somebody like that. You young people who do a great thing as, as your parents get older and as you get older, as they get older in life, they can always point to you and say, well, I know, the, and by the way, the older your mom gets, the more perfect of a child you will be. I can testify to that. But they can point and they can say, still doing right. Maybe you can give an encouragement to, a, to somebody who invested in you in the past. Give some encouragement to them. They're still at it. It hasn't gone perfectly. It hasn't gone as smooth as, as everybody would like it. And, and there's been some bumps along the way, but they're still walking in truth. What, a, what an encouragement that had to be to the Apostle John. So much that he has to tell Gaius, I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I believe our, our walk sends a message to this world, but our walk also encourages those who've invested in us. I want to be a good investment. How about you? Somebody's invested in you. Somebody's made a difference in you. We desire to be a good investment. There's a personal testimony. There's, that ministry is personal. It's a testimony because somebody puts part of their life in us. Then number four, I've alluded to this, but number four, there's personal investment. I have no greater joy. That's quite a statement. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Certainly, we make the application, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it, that our natural children walk in truth. And the book of Proverbs does, in other places, speak much about the reproach that we bring to, the heavy heart that we bring to our mom and dad who've invested in us. And certainly that applies. It, it does bring great joy when our natural children walk in truth. But I believe a stricter application that, that John is writing in is the fact that he's talking about his spiritual children. Walk in truth. There is, why is there no greater joy? Because there's personal investment. That's what we see with the fourth thing we put is that personal investment. Notice what he says. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children. I rejoice in what God does in the life of his people. I rejoice in people being saved. I rejoice in, in, in salvation, in, in people growing in the Lord. I rejoice in that. But it's a greater joy when it's somebody that I've invested in. It's a greater joy. It doesn't mean there's not joy when I see somebody else growing in the Lord. But it's a, you know what I'm talking about. It's a greater joy. I, I like to see all the young people around here do well. You know, but when it's my child, there's a little bit greater joy. And don't tell me you're not the same way. We're all that way. And by the way, just because... You, you're, you're, just because you, they're not your child doesn't mean that you can't cheer for them, doesn't mean you can't pray for them, doesn't mean you can't be excited. We, we've covered all that. But there is something a little to it when they're my child. The same is true in ministry. When, you know, what's great about this church is when 
we get to the end of another school year and there's a high school graduation, there's, there, there's college commencement, and there's all these different things. And those that have been here, and Brother Roach will get up and talk and, and mention and highlight those who have grown up their whole, their whole school career here. By the time that person gets here, say, why should I come to that? That's not my child. Well, if you're around the ministry here, that person who comes, yes, mom and dad have had a great impact in their life, but there's a host of people who's made a difference in the life of that individual, who've invested, who's prayed for them from the nursery. Believe it or not, those that are in the nursery now, one day will graduate from high school. What a, what a, what a painful thought that is. And in doing so, mom and dad's going to have to be faithful. Mom and dad's going to have to invest in them. But nursery workers need to be praying for them while they're that little child. And then Sunday school teachers and then children's church workers and the pastor and all those who have a part of them, the school teachers. Why, it's an investment in them. That's why when God blesses somebody out of our church, there's a little pride for the church because those are our children. Those are those that we've invested in. Those are those that we've had a part in. It's an exciting thing to see somebody grow when you've made that personal investment. He took ownership. With ownership comes responsibility. And what is the goal? We get this from verse 4. The goal is to walk, for them to walk in truth. How do they walk in truth? They're going to need some help along the way. They're going to need some help along the way. Aren't you glad that people helped you along the way? When we got saved, it wasn't an automatic. We had the Word of God in us, and we knew everything the Bible said. No, we had to learn it. People had to be patient with us. Much prayer went into us. It's that personal investment. You know, I've used this before, and it's true of us, and it's an old saying, and in, in, in Brother Chitty is the one who uses it often. It's, if you ever find a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. And we're the same way. We didn't get where we are by ourselves. Well, maybe we all determined that our faithfulness will be a blessing to somebody else. Our faithfulness will be an encouragement to somebody else. That's something that we can See, I, I want to repay those who've invested in me. You just walk in the truth. Walk in the truth. I don't consider myself an old man. You may, but I don't consider myself an old man. I don't consider myself a young man. But I've been in ministry long enough where I can testify somewhat, not as John could, but to see those who I've spent my life at almost 50 years of age, investing in, praying in, laboring to deliver what God has, just to see them walking in the truth. But it's like, you know what? There's days where you're like, I wonder if it's making a difference. I wonder if the burden is really worth carrying. We know it's true. But then you get reminded of those that God has allowed you to have a part in. Well, I look around the room tonight and see the evidence and the testimony of God's goodness and grace. Well, to think that I as a pastor could have a small part in that. But I want you to think too. 
you have a part in your pastor. Well, look at the opportunities that God has afforded me through, through writing and, that, and, and, and the opportunities to go to other places. And next month, I'll be going to another country and I'll, and I'll be preaching to a host of national pastors. You say, well, why are you doing... Well, that, that's, that's you making an investment in your pastor. And then God's work continues to go. You say, well, how do we make an investment in you? I hope you pray for me. As I grew up here, you didn't expel me. That's, that's the bonus. Uh, we all have a part in each other. In conclusion, I'm, 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 I'll finish this thought with this. I'll make three statements by way of conclusion. One, we should be willing to give of ourselves as Christ was willing. We should be willing to give of ourselves as Christ was willing. Meaning, we should use our life to invest in somebody else. If you're going to serve, if you're going to attend to another Christian, it's going to take you using part of you to invest in their life. And by the way, there's some who we invest in, they don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't continue to walk in truth. Don't regret the investment that you made. Because at the very least you can say, I tried to help them. I prayed for them. I brought them to church. I put them in the right place. I kept some things out of my home. We should be willing to give ourselves as Christ was willing. Statement number two as far as conclusion, when you give yourself to him, you will give yourself to others. Because you cannot give yourself to him without giving yourself to others. Because that is how we serve him. The Lord reminds us that if we give a cup of cold water in his name, it's as if we're giving it to him. So I only want to minister to him, then minister to somebody else. We don't minister to our Lord because we're not ministering to each other many times. Well, I want, to, I want to honor God. I want to do something for Him. I want, to, I want to be in the ministry. And yes, we should go out there and we should give the gospel and preach the gospel, try and win as many as we can. But I believe we have a responsibility to the household of faith as well. Right. And we got to come to church. Yes, I need something today and I want God to speak to me. But I'm coming because I want, to, I, want to, I want to minister to somebody. I want to help somebody. I want to encourage somebody. I want somebody to be excited that they bumped into me, not, not dreading the fact that they did. Throughout the week, who can I pray for? Who can I encourage? Who can I send a little note to? Say, well, is that really the ministry? It's as if it was unto the Lord. If you give yourself to Him, you'll give yourself to others. That's a good marker of are we fully surrendered to Him. Because we're fully surrendered to Him, we'll be in the business of ministering to others. And then, thirdly, don't let the diatrophies steal the joy of the Gaius. Not everybody is going to serve well. See, and I, I, am, I understand it, but I do not justify it or give room to compromise with it. I've been hurt at church. You ever been insulted at Walmart? But you go back. I've been hurt at church. God didn't hurt you. God didn't hurt you. 
Well, I, I was offended. Okay. Have you ever offended? Well, I was betrayed. We've probably all been there. There's a lot of Christians because you have to invest emotion. You have to invest time. You have to invest energy. There's a lot of Christians who are missing the joy that comes from a Gaius because I don't want to get hurt, Pastor. I understand that. I, I, I did that, and they left the things of God. I think we could all relate to that. But you cannot help but sense, at least I can't, the joy of the old Apostle John as he thinks of Gaius. We have a, a unique church in the fact that we're a generational church. There's two applications of that. One, we have many generations in our church. But then we, meaning there's, there's, there's a lot of young people, there's a lot of young adults, there's young married couples, there's those median age, there's the, the senior saints, there's many different generations, but then there's many different generations of families in our church. Those who have been reared in this church have had children, now rearing their children in this church. That's a wonderful thing. But I believe it's an encouraging thing as well. And those, there's many of you, you've been here for a long time. And you can't do everything that you can do, but I want you to be encouraged. Because there are those that are around who are walking in the truth. And you might have forgotten, but you, you watched them in the nursery. You might have forgotten, that comes with age, but you might have forgotten that you had them in children's church. You might have forgotten that you taught them in Sunday school. I know Pam's never forgotten. She had me in English class. Well, that will encourage you. So, well, I want to have memories like that. Okay, who can you invest in? Who can you minister to? We ought to come to the house of God. Yes, ready to receive, but ready to give, to minister. Throughout the week, who can we minister to? I'm encourage you, these activities that that are taking place. And I know we don't have all the different young, small Sunday school classes like we'd like to have, but uh, from the, the one accord to the, the ladies fellowship to whatever other fellowships there are and activities, be a part of those. There's opportunities for you to minister. Well, I just don't feel like it. Well, you need somebody to minister to you. And one way for you to start feeling like it is you minister to somebody else. Hey, let's encourage one another. Everybody needs encouragement. As I mentioned this morning, don't, well, I don't know what their problem was. You don't know the burden they may have. You don't know the, the sorrow they may be experiencing. Well, let's, let's encourage one another. The ministry is personal. Are you in the ministry? Well, I've never been to Bible college. I didn't ask you if you've been to Bible college. You don't have to go to Bible college to be in the ministry. Are you in the ministry? Well, I don't, I don't have talent. I didn't ask you to have talents. You don't have to have talents to be in the ministry. Are you in the ministry? Everybody in here can minister to somebody else. Father, help us as we consider these truths. May we consider.